All right, everybody. Logan Alex CPA here. Today, I want to talk about the Supreme Court. This is kind of the talk of the news a couple of weeks ago, but now that the American Families Plan has been announced uh, by President Biden last week, that's been dominating the headlines from D.C. recently. If you haven't seen my video, by the way, where I walk through the American Families Plan, be sure to check that video out. Uh, so I made a video a couple of weeks ago, actually longer than I think a few weeks ago at this point, on my thoughts on Supreme Court packing, right? Whether Democrats are going to pursue adding new justices or pursue some other forms of Supreme Court reform. The Supreme Court isn't necessarily as visible as Congress or obviously the White House, but it still plays a really important role in the government. As we saw during the Trump administration, a few justices retiring or passing away during a particular four-year or eight-year period can completely change the makeup of the court for a very long period of time. So I thought I would make a video covering why the Supreme Court has become so politicized over the past several years, why both parties have started being more aggressive with blocking confirmations, and what kind of reforms are likely during the Biden administration uh, to start turning a corner and hopefully make the court less tied to partisan politics. If you're just stepping into this issue in 2021, you're probably seeing a lot of Republicans saying that Democrats are being unfair, they're damaging the integrity of the court, etc. Uh, but at the same time, Democrats are going to, some po uh, going to point to some past Republican actions and say the same thing. And I think that context is really important when it comes to the current proposals, whether that's expanding the court or pursuing more moderate reforms. Ultimately, I think the current situation uh, with the Supreme Court goes back to the Merrick Garland controversy. Some of you may remember that at the end of the Obama administration. So um, if you don't know if you don't, or if you don't remember, uh, Justice Scalia, who was nominated by Reagan and confirmed unanimously by the Senate in 1986, passed away on February 13, 2016, roughly nine months before the 2016 presidential election and 11 months before the inauguration in January 2017. They set up a big conflict over the future of the court. Republicans had regained the Senate majority in the 2014 elections, so they had a lot of control over the uh, the nomination process, uh, obviously. Um, and at, at that point, you needed a 60-vote supermajority to confirm a Supreme Court nominee in the Senate. So uh, Obama wasn't necessarily going to get his first choice here. He ended up nominating Merrick Garland, who was widely perceived as uh, somewhat moderate, although some conservatives would disagree with that. But Senate Republicans went further than just hard negotiating tactics here. They refused to hold confirmation hearings for Merrick Garland at all. They simply weren't going to consider any nominees in, uh, you know, until after the election, right? Which again was roughly nine months after the death of Justice Scalia. Uh, McConnell wrote a joint op-ed with Republican Senator Chuck Grassley a few days later. Let me read from that. Rarely does a Supreme Court vacancy occur in the final year of a presidential term, and the Senate has not confirmed a nominee to fill a vacancy arising in such circumstances for the better part of a century. So the American people have a particular opportunity now to make their voice heard. We don't think the American people should be robbed of this unique opportunity. They weren't the only ones making that point. This was essentially the default position in the Republican Party at that time, that nominees should not be confirmed in an election year, a presidential election year, because that would take a voice away from the American people. This standoff lasted throughout the 2016 election. Of course, the Republican Senate uh, agreed to consider Trump's nominees after his inauguration, but the 60-vote requirement was going to be a big problem for them now that they had, in the Democrats' view, walked away from the negotiating table rather than working together in good faith uh, when Obama uh, nominated Merrick Garland. So, 
Trump nominated Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Democrats were ready to fight back on that, and Republicans actually changed the Senate rules to allow Supreme Court nomination with a simple majority of 51 votes, right, uh, or 50 votes plus the tiebreaker from the vice president, who's the vice president, who's the president of the Senate. This is the so-called nuclear option. At this point, the Senate was divided with 54 Republicans, 44 Democrats, and two independents. So the Republicans had enough votes to confirm Gorsuch on their own without having to get any Democratic support at all. Obviously, Democrats felt this was an even deeper betrayal. First, Republicans refused to hold hearings for their nominee uh, right in 2016, Merrick Garland, and then they changed the Senate rules in the first three months of the Trump administration in 2017 in order to avoid negotiations. So Gorsuch was confirmed in essentially a party-line vote, 54 to 45. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed even more narrowly in a 50 to 48 vote in October 2018. Of course, Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation was controversial due to the uh, allegations uh, that he was facing and the way he was questioned during the confirmation hearings. But in terms of the procedure itself, there were no further allegations of foul play or bad faith negotiations uh, beyond the fact that Democrats thought he was the wrong choice and that they had basically been removed from the negotiating table following the rule change in 2017. Okay. That brings me to the most recent addition to the Supreme Court. That would be Amy Coney Barrett. And for a lot of Democrats, I think this was the straw that broke the camel's back, given what happened to Merrick Garland. As I mentioned earlier, Justice Scalia passed away in February 2016, nine months before the election. Uh, and well, last year, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on September 18, 2020, um, which was about six weeks before the election between Biden and Trump. So if you knew nothing about American politics other than what I've said in this video, you might assume that the issues Republicans were talking about in 2016 and even later uh, would have prevented them by their own logic and their own arguments from confirming a new justice in this situation. For example, Lindsey Graham had said previously, if an opening comes up in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, we'll wait until the next election. Marco Rubio gave a similar statement. He said, I don't think we should be moving on a nominee in the last year of this president's term. I would say that if it was a Republican president. Ted Cruz said, it has been 80 years since the Supreme Court vacancy was nominated and confirmed in an election year. There is a long tradition that you don't do this in an election year. Okay, so you get the point. I don't want to go through every single Republican senator's statement in this video. Fortunately, uh, Mother Jones put out a compilation of those statements during the Amy Coney Barrett hearing, so there will be a link to that in the description below in case any of you want to check it out. Uh, unsurprisingly, that all changed for the Republicans once there actually was an opening for them, they immediately started working on getting Amy Coney Barrett in by the end of the Trump administration, uh, or the first term, right, if he had won the election. Anyway, she was confirmed on October 26, 2020, which was eight days before the presidential election. All right, I know that's a lot of background, but this sets up the Democratic frustration over the current state of the Supreme Court. Obama was unable to get Garland confirmed in Obama's uh, last full year in office, yet Trump had the opportunity to confirm Barrett, right, literally the week before he lost the election. In fact, Trump ended up nominating and confirming three justices in his four years of office, while Obama was only able to confirm two justices despite serving two terms instead of one. So if you ask most Democrats in Congress, they're going to tell you uh, that Merrick Garland, who, 
by the way, as as you all know, is now Biden's attorney general. But they're going to tell you Merrick Garland should be on the court instead of Gorsuch, and that Biden should have had the opportunity to fill the opening left by the uh, the death of Justice Ginsburg. So there's this widespread feeling and notion among Democrats that there's something really wrong with the court and the way this all works, and that has led to a number of different proposals. On the one hand, you have Democrats who just want to add justices to the court. Uh, the main proposal here is from Ed Markey in the Senate, who I would say is on the progressive wing, uh, and Jerry Nadler in the House. Their bill would increase the size of the court from nine to 13 justices. Now, uh, technically, the Supreme Court has been made up of anywhere from five to 10 justices at different times in our nation's history, but it has been consistent at nine for more than 150 years at this point. So any attempt to change that is going to be seen as political. And of course, they would face Republican opposition, but it's also unlikely that enough Democrats will get behind this plan. President Biden has stated that he's not a fan of the idea, and Nancy Pelosi said she wasn't planning to bring this bill to the floor. So uh, there are many progressives who support this plan, but unless something changes, it's not going to have much of a chance of passing the House or the Senate. Now, the alternative to just straight up adding justices court packing, the alternative is going to uh, be pursuing more moderate reforms. And this is something that Biden has started working on through the creation of a commission to study potential changes that could give the court more insulation from politics and rehabilitate the current uh, conception that is more of a partisan institution. Now, this commission is in itself bipartisan. There are legal scholars with different backgrounds, but at the same time, Republicans are going to fight against anything that could take away the power they gained over the judiciary during the Trump administration. McConnell called the commission a direct assault on our nation's independent judiciary and yet another sign of the far left's influence over the Biden administration. The commission isn't going to have any real authority other than the opportunity to make recommendations to the Biden administration. And the White House's statement discusses some of the reforms they might be looking at. It says, the commission's purpose is to provide an analysis of the principal arguments in the contemporary public debate for and against Supreme Court reform, including an appraisal of the merits and legality of particular reform proposals. The topics it will examine include the genesis of the reform debate, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justices on the court, the membership and size of the courts, and the court's case selection rules and practices. The executive order gives them 180 days to come back with a report. It was signed on April 9th. That means they should have recommendations ready by October 6th, if not earlier. So at this point, we're waiting for that report. Uh, again, the recommendations aren't going to be binding or anything, but I think the commission will have a, a lot of power uh, and influence the direction here because anything they get Biden to support is going to have a much greater chance of getting votes in the House and the Senate. Uh, if Biden comes out and says there should be term limits, then there's definitely going to be pressure on Democrats, at least mainstream Democrats, uh, to fall in line and get behind that proposal. Obviously, they will still have to fight the filibuster. On the other hand, Republicans removed the filibuster from judiciary nominations, right, in early 2017 uh, to clear a path for the Gorsuch nomination, the so-called nuclear option. So Democrats could try to do the same thing by either carving out some exceptions to pass these particular reforms or simply eliminating the filibuster entirely, which is, of course, going to be a hot-button issue throughout the Biden administration. We've talked about this previously here on the channel, as Democrats continue to weigh the pros and cons of uh, removing the filibuster, or at least reforming the filibuster um, to allow, uh, perhaps, the Senate to pass more legislation through a simple majority. So once the report is released, then the question will be what the Democrats want to do with that. 
uh, what they want to do with the court and how much they're willing to fight for those changes. But what do you think? Do you think the Supreme Court needs this massive reform given all the drama we've seen from both sides uh, in the last decade, actually the last five years? Or do you think this drama is just, just part of the politics and the balance of power will naturally shift with each election cycle? Let me know in the comments below and I'll see you in the next video. Bye-bye.